0: Welcome into the Den, home of the 2021 AFC North champions, our Cincinnati Bengals. This win against the Kansas City Chiefs in week 17 of the 21-22 NFL season, this win is for the long-suffering fans. We've endured our fair share of losses over the years. If you were a fan through the 90s, you remember those losses more recently, the last few years have been rough. This win is for, I'd say, the fans of our division rivals. Pittsburgh, you're not our big brother anymore. We we knew that after beating you twice. But in case you thought this was a fluke, you're not our big brother anymore. Cleveland, your time has come and gone. You had one year. That was your chance. Your window is closed. This is Joe Burrow's division. And Baltimore fans, let me say, for any that may be listening to this podcast, guess what? Joe Burrow carves up all sorts of defenses. It's not just yours, so don't feel too bad about it. For the fans and and the enemies that root for the bungles to always mess something up, this win was for you. For the media members that love to find ways to hate on Zach Taylor, hate on Joe Burrow and his arm strength or lack thereof. Jamar Chase, can he catch the ball? Can he not? Guess what? They've done what they said they were going to do, win games and set records. And the Bengals are headed to the playoffs this season. What a game it was, what it means for these players, what it means for the city of Cincinnati, what it means for the franchise, and not to mention how entertaining in general the game was. This game cements yourself as a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year, not next year, not just set yourself up to be a team to be reckoned with. You'll be good in a couple years. This year, think about that, Bengals fans, for one second, that your Cincinnati Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. Whether you want to believe that they'll win a playoff game, whether you are anticipating that they're going to let you down again, whatever you may be thinking, doesn't matter. This is a Super Bowl contending team. You hung with the possible NFC champs in in Green Bay, arguably should have won that game. Whether you won or not, regardless, you took care of business at home against the defending AFC champs in a win-and-you're-in scenario. These last couple of games have been, in a way, many playoff games of their own. They're all very important in various ways. And all Joe Burrow and the rest of this team have done is averaged 37.5 points against the Ravens and the Chiefs. Scored nine touchdowns on offense the last two weeks. Turned the ball over zero times on offense. Zach Taylor in back-to-back weeks has called aggressive games, dialing up the right plays, letting Burrow go and execute this offense. And at this point, I don't think there's, there's any reason to believe this team can't win a playoff game. What do you look at with this team and say they are incapable of winning a game? They have a quarterback with a clutch gene. They have an offense overall that's clicking. They have a defense that has gotten stops when they needed to. They've had some games better than others. But look at the rest of the NFL. What team do you say is a favorite that the Bengals could not beat them on any given Sunday? There isn't one. There isn't a team that the Bengals cannot beat, and they proved it this week, beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And I want to talk about the game. I couldn't decide what direction to go with this podcast. I've done some before where I kind of go through drive-by-drive. I've done some where I just go... Game balls like there's so many different directions to go, but I want to kind of talk through a little bit more drive by drive, at least to get things started. To start the game off, the Bengals did exactly what I said they couldn't do, right? And that was get off to a slow start. They forced a Kansas City three and out. And you know, what more could you ask for other than a turnover on defense to start the game? The offense then returns the favor, including giving up a sack on the first snap. Kansas City now scores on the next drive you know we can we can talk a little bit about the refs that that drive was aided by a soft pass interference call I think on Jesse Bates against Travis Kelsey but either way they score on that drive the second cincinnati drive is a four and out another sack puts us behind the chains and kansas city answers with a kelsey touchdown it's 14 to nothing in the first quarter 14 to nothing coming into the game if you recall the chiefs during their winning streak 75 to 3 in the first quarter and here it is 14 to nothing. It felt a little too familiar to that chargers game, a little too familiar to the chargers game where we got down by a bunch early, but when you need something to happen on this team, we've seen again and again, this season, what do you do? What do the Bengals do when they need something? You get the ball into Jamar Chase's hands on a second down and seven down 14 to nothing. Jamar Chase, you know, Burrow gets credited for a 72 yard touchdown. It was a 12 yard pass. Jamar Chase catches the ball. 12 yards past the line of scrimmage. And wouldn't you know, 60 yards later, he's in the end zone. Turning on another gear. Outrunning five defenders chasing him. And just like that, the Bengals are back in the game. 14 to 7. Eyes are back on the defense. Are we ever going to be able to get a stop? Are we going to get any breaks on defense? Because it's already feeling like a track meet. Boy, did that defense struggle, especially in the first half. I thought a key to the defense slowing the the Chiefs would be to catch the ball something they have not been able to do well uh Jesse Bates has dropped an interception of late um Eli Apple dropped an interception a couple weeks ago or last week whatever it was and this week again third drive or fourth drive of the game for the Chiefs Eli Apple drops an interception that drive goes on to end in a touchdown and it's 21 to 7 Kansas City at this point in time the feeling is this is a barn burner. It doesn't look like we're going to get stops on defense. And I wasn't really rooting for a shootout. I saw a lot of score predictions that had this game in the 30s. And I'm like, I don't think you want to try to outscore Kansas City. Not because our offense isn't explosive. We've shown that, especially last week against the Ravens and in other games this season. But I didn't want to get into a shootout because you, you can't take sacks when you're on offense. Then if you're just trying to drop back and move the ball down the field passing you can't turn the ball over you can't afford not to score if you're going to get into a shootout with Kansas City and we've seen this offense go through spurts of inconsistency whether it's sacks putting us behind the chains whether it's getting a little bit sloppy with the ball and turning it over three and outs four and outs we've seen all of those things and so honestly it was a bit of a trust issue for me I don't trust the the offense what we scored every drive against the Ravens that's outstanding but the Ravens defense of last week was not the Chiefs defense of this week. And to just expect your offense to hey, go score every single time you touch the ball is uh, dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous. But at 21 to 7, the Bengals answer right back. Chase comes down with another touchdown, 21 14. Kansas City answers with their own again, 28 14. If you watch the Rose Bowl, Ohio State and Utah, it felt a little bit like that, where it was just an offensive explosion here in the first half, two minutes and 18 seconds left in the first half. The Bengals are getting the ball back down to scores. We know that we get the ball at the second half kickoff. We know that scoring here is vital in this situation. Cincinnati's had a really good two minute offense all year long, all year long, whether it's at the end of the half, at the end of games, they've been really good at converting those drives into points in their two minute offense. And that continued the Bengals settle for three. It's 28, 17 at halftime. You have to catch your breath a little bit because it was an up and down game that the halftime stats honestly weren't pretty, especially if you look at the defensive side of the ball in that first half alone, the Bengals defense gives up five plays of 20 plus yards. It was chunk plays and it wasn't Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey being it was other guys. It was like Blake Bell, their backup tight end and Nicole Hardman and like it was Byron Pringle Other guys were beating you. So, yeah, it wasn't their premier playmakers. But still, you're giving up huge plays. KC, I had to to go back and manually add this up because during the game while I'm watching, I'm thinking every first down, they're getting huge gains. And it's setting them up in second and short or second and medium, whatever it was. They averaged 8.2 yards on first down alone in the first half. They had four straight touchdown drives. They went five for seven on third downs. They had almost 300 total yards of offense, six yards per carry in the first half. And that was with Hill and Kelsey totaling 50 yards combined. Mahomes still on pace for 400 plus yards. So the defense, to say the defense was in shambles feels a little bit like an understatement because it was ugly. (laughs) The the Bengals offense was going to do their best to keep up. And in the first half, you score 17 points in the first half against any other team in the league. I think any other team in the league If we put up 17 points, average seven and a half yards per play, average over six yards per carry, Jamar Chase have 100 plus yards and two touchdowns at the half, you're feeling really good about your chances to win that game. Unfortunately, you're going up against one of the best teams in the AFC that hasn't really not scored when they've had the ball. So 28-17, you're not feeling great, but you're buckling up. It's going to be a fast paced second half after what we saw in the first, right? not so fast. We come out of the half down two scores. And it does feel like we're going to need to score on every single possession just to keep this just to keep this close, just to keep it within striking distance. If you let that 11-point lead stretch to 18, then you're feeling a little bit more desperate. This was a drive where I thought we might win this game. And it wasn't just because we scored. It helps, obviously. A busted coverage results in a 69-yard Jamar Chase touchdown, his third of the game. But then after the play, the camera pans to Joe Burrow. He's all fired up after the play. And I I don't know why, but I just had a feeling. He looked totally locked in, which from the first half stats, you would say, yeah, he was playing really well. But something about, (laughs) I don't know, Joe and I connected there. Joe and I connected. He doesn't realize it. But in that moment, I'm like, this dude's locked in. All we need is one stop. Because I think he's going to score every time he touches the ball. But it's going to come down to getting stops, right? On defense. Can they do it? Will they do it? Trey gets uh Trey Hendrickson gets a third down pressure, results in another near interception by Hilton. Kansas City ends up punting. I flashed back in my head to the Chargers game. If you recall, we dig a big hole, we climb out of it, and in that game, 24-22. We have the ball. We have all the momentum. We're going to take the lead and we're going to win that game, right? But we know mix and fumbled, things unraveled from there. So in this game, what's going to happen? Because this is a very similar situation. This is kind of not quite make or break. It kind of felt like every drive was make or break because I knew we needed to score. But if we have a penalty, if we have a turnover, what's going to set us back? Well, it was a third and nine sack and we ended up having to punt it back. And the last time the defense had stopped Kansas City on their first drive and forced a punt, we punted it right back, we weren't able to capitalize. We do it again here. So now you have two times where the Chiefs have given us uh, the defense, at least, has given us a chance to to put points on the board without having to answer a Kansas City score. And we didn't take advantage of that. And it feels like there's only so many drives in a game where you're going to stop Patrick Mahomes and that offense. So to do it twice and not capitalize and get any points on those drives thereafter felt like a pivotal point where the game could slip away. At this point, we're late in the third quarter and we start to see Kansas city become the team that's shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. We had some, we had some issues down the stretch, a couple penalties, the the sacks weren't great, but on a third down conversion, The Chiefs get called for illegal motion. So I think it was a third and two. They converted the first down to Kelsey, I believe. Illegal motion on Tyreek Hill brings it back, sets up a third and 12. They end up not converting there. They punt it away back to us. That, to me, was the biggest stop of the game for the defense. You've now forced them into back-to-back punts. You're giving the offense for the Bengals another chance. If Kansas City scores there and pushes that lead to 35-24, we're down two scores heading to the fourth quarter, I'm not going to say impossible, but it would have made a comeback extremely difficult. But we got off the field, thanks mostly to Kansas City, but the defense did what they needed to do. They made tackles. You know, they could have missed some tackles again a first down. Didn't happen. They get off the field and give us the ball back. The next drive for the Bengals, we have a minute 11 left in the third quarter. We're trailing by four. This drive was peppered with, I'd say, pretty throws and Kansas City penalties. We had a third and three incomplete pass to T. Higgins. Fortunately, pass interference was called. So instead of having to punt, we get the first down. I thought it was a bit of a soft call, to be honest. But as a Bengals fan, we'll take it. And I mean, it felt like it kind of evened out, right? Because Bates had the soft call against him on the earlier drive and that they ended up getting a touchdown there. So it's like, okay, that's a makeup call. We're even, guys. We're even. The next play, sideline ball. T. Higgins, 39 yards, a huge chunk play. We have a screen pass to Jamar, which I, I feel like they've done a few times this year and typically weren't having great success with it. But Jamar Chase, a great job, being patient, waiting for his blockers, gains 10 yards, moves the chains. We then have another questionable call against Kansas City, maybe. Instead of a third and six or so, a horse caller is called uh, on a Jamar Chase tackle. I'll be like, I don't know what you saw from the angles, but from the TV angles I saw, I didn't really think it was an obvious call. Again, I'll I'll take it as a Bengals fan. I don't think it was egregious necessarily. Might have been the right call. Maybe it wasn't. But either way, it went in our favor a little bit more. Something that could have gone against us. They could have just picked up the flag. It looked like they were talking for a while. Instead, horse collar, we get the first down. Extends the drive. Burrow flits ball. Corner of the end zone. Tyler Boyd touchdown. 31 to 28. We have the lead. Eight plays. 86-yard drive. We've finally taken the lead, but will we be able to hold it? You know Patrick Mahomes is over on the sideline. You know that it, it felt like an inevitable Tyree kill deep ball was coming because we bottled him up, him up pretty well. Travis Kelsey, you're waiting for the huge yards after catch from him. It felt like a matter of time. Casey drives down the field, kicks a tying field goal. At this point, I'm, I'm texting Gabe. I'm saying, "Hey, we have to score a touchdown here. We have to score a touchdown. Yes, it's tied." Yes, I uh, technically a field goal gives you the lead in the fourth quarter, and that's all great. It feels good for the moment. But if you score a field goal, it feels like you're setting yourself up for the Mahomes, drive down the field, win the game. Obviously, if you don't score, he's going to do that. It, it really was a must-score scenario, especially a touchdown, even though the score was tied. Six minutes, one second left in the game. That's when the Bengals offense takes the field, and a tie game 31-31. I think a very important play of that drive is the first play. You want to get positive yards on first down, nine yards to Tyler Boyd. Jamar Chase makes a grown man catch down the sidelines for 35 yards. Every week that Jamar Chase has made these catches, I've talked about different traits and attributes. This week you really did see like a little bit of everything. You saw the speed, you saw the strong hands uh kind of plucking the ball away in sort of jump ball situations. He had great footwork along the sideline. He does it all. At this point, we're moving. We're driving down the field. We're at the Kansas City 24. We're sitting in field goal range. Four-ish minutes left. The next three plays were an absolute disaster. Other than a turnover, I'm not sure you could have drawn up the next three plays any worse. A holding on Drew Sample moves us back 10 yards. We're now looking at a first and 20. Followed by a sack for negative seven yards. Second and 27 incomplete pass. You're staring at a third and 27 at the 41. You're now out of field goal range for the most part, because if you miss a 58 yarder there, you're giving Mahomes a very short field, needing a field goal to win the game. I felt like the options at this situation were you play it safe, run a draw, something like that, just expecting to punt it away. Maybe in your mind, you're going to pin them deep and let the defense try to do their thing again. I was not rooting for that scenario, but that that was one option out there. Another one I thought they would probably go to was try to get seven to eight yards or so, get into field goal range, whether that's Samaje Ran check down, which I feel like we see a lot in third and longs, CJ Uzama getting a few yards, something to move the ball a little bit closer, more manageable 50-ish yard field goal. Third option, of course, is go for the gold, and Burrow does just that. A 30-yard completion to Jamar Chase down the sideline again on third and 27. Third and 27, and he's throwing a 30-yard pass to Jamar Chase down the sideline. First down. I thought it was an it was obviously a gutsy call. It was an aggressive call. Beautiful throw. Great catch. Perfectly executed. As bad as those three plays right before that had gone, you couldn't have drawn up much better uh, third and 27 play. So let me quickly reset where we're at at this point, okay? This point of the game, we have 1st and 10 from the 11-yard line. Not 1st and goal from the 10, first and 10 from the 11. And I didn't really think at the time how huge that was going to be. But obviously, we know how huge it was to be spotted at the 11 and not the 10. There's still 314 left in the game. Doesn't feel like, at least from watching the game i think kansas city at this point still had three timeouts they still have the 2 minute warning and we only need 11 yards to score a touchdown and you're thinking you're probably not going to get a first down there because it was like if you're going to get first down you're probably scoring the touchdown it felt like this was an inevitable mahomes is getting the ball back so let's punch in the touchdown two joe mixon carries gets us to third and one from the two kansas city's burned a timeout mixon then gets the first down but it's short of the goal line. So we have now first and goal, two-minute warning, Kansas City down to their two timeouts. Honestly, I've seen some conversation around the next seven or eight plays. I thought it played out great. Played out perfectly. It wasn't always pretty, but it played out perfectly in the end. Run a sneak for no gain, Kansas City has to burn another timeout. Run another sneak for no gain, Kansas City burns their final timeout. You now have third and inches, 146 left, handoff to Mixon, no gain. Fourth and goal. What's the call? What's Zach Taylor going to do? We saw a few weeks ago, the Chargers playing the Chiefs were ultra aggressive on fourth downs really throughout the game, but especially late in the game, they were down at the one yard line, ran a fourth down and got stuffed, turned it over zero points. In retrospect, everyone's saying, oh, you should have taken the points there, which is easy to do. Hindsight 2020. 20. But what do the Bengals do? I'm saying you go for it. You don't play it safe and take the lead and bank on your defense, stopping Mahomes. After a return, they're probably going to need, what, 45 yards or so just to get into tying field goal range. That feels pretty doable when they're cranking out A to carry, <laughs> when they're getting 10, 20, 25-yard chunk plays. Or you stay aggressive. Zach Taylor stayed aggressive. It's a pass play to Joe Mixon. He's ruled short of the goal line, which you're thinking turnover on downs. However, offsetting penalties. Let's do it again. We ran some clock off there. Not a pretty play, not a pretty outcome, but it ran a little bit more clock. We now have fourth and inches. Again, we're going to do it again. Line them up, run it again. Well, run a play again. It's a pass play to Tyler Boyd incomplete. Another turnover on downs? No. Illegal use of the hands in the end zone against Kansas City. This just just compounded the mistakes that Kansas City was making late. Some of them were a little bit questionable calls. Uh, I think we got the benefit of the doubt on a couple of them late in the game. But nonetheless, Burrow and the wide receivers were putting the refs in a position to have to make those calls, which I don't hate at all. We have the ball now first down inside the one yard line, kneel it, clock it, kick it, win it. Bengals win. Was the goal line execution outstanding? I guess not, because we didn't score the touchdown. I don't know that those would have been the same play calls in a different scenario in the game. If it's the third quarter down there, I don't know that we're running back-to-back sneaks. and I just I don't think. But but honestly, I thought it worked perfectly, and I didn't hate the play calls at all. I think a, a sneak is a safe call. You're ra- rarely going to fumble on a sneak attempt. You rarely are going to lose yards on a sneak attempt, you're either getting back to the line of scrimmage or they're going to rule it a touchdown. That's it. And I think with the sneaks and you get a push from behind, more likely than not, you're moving forward enough that you're going to be able to get spot. Like think about the NFL, and this is my biggest complaint other than ref inconsistency in calling plays and taunting and that being annoying. The other thing is spotting the ball. So bizarre to me that in this game and the year of our savior 2022 we are still just using older middle-aged men's eyeballs to determine where the ball should be spotted on the field. But anyways, when it comes down to sneaks, it's really like the refs are in an impossible situation when the quarterback just burrows low, no pun intended, and is in the middle of the pile. How are you going to spot that? I don't know. But I like the play calls and you didn't score the touchdown. So it's not as pretty, but again, I think it would have been called differently, but the, the thinking behind it of let's be aggressive, let's go for it. That's what we want Zach Taylor to do. Kyle, a little bit, little bit of heat earlier in the year, and uh, I think I was somewhat against the fourth down call he had from our own 30-something at one point in the game, and it, and it kind of gave some momentum back to the other team. But this is a situation where you do want to go for it, and we left Patrick Mahomes no time to do anything. You melted six minutes off of the clock and won the game. And I was trying to think, I was like, I know this has happened at some point this year. What game was that? It was the Jacksonville game week four. I went back, had to double check the play, uh, play logs. They melted the final five and a half minutes in that game. One on a walk-off field goal. Of course, the Jaguars are not a superior team or even near the same level of Kansas city. We did that today. The same sort of thing where we get the ball and we're going to say, we're going to continue to methodically move the ball down the field. Thank you, Kansas City, for the penalties that helped out. But you're not getting the ball back. We're going to win this game. And I think there's some things coming out of this game you don't love. I, I think Quentin Spain's health is a big question mark. Getting carted off, we'll wait anxiously to see what the prognosis is there. If he's going to be out for any significant amount of time, it's going to be Adenaji and Jackson Carmen. we assume. Burrow was limping a little bit. I know he's fine, but still not ideal to see your quarterback limping at the end of the game actually coming out on a play because he's in some pain there. The defense struggled, generating much pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Trey Hendrickson got in the backfield a few times, but I don't think they really touched Patrick Mahomes all game. And that was with two of their starting offensive linemen out, which is a little bit worrisome. So yeah, it wasn't all like roses after this game, but who wants to talk about that? We want to talk about the good things. And the defense did step up when they needed to if you think all the way back to the end of the first half, Von Bell made a huge play and really right before that, this isn't uh, a defensive play they made necessarily, but we we cut into that lead 28, 17, I believe it was, and then kick off and they return, they return it for a touchdown, which feels like, of course they do. Of course they return it for a touchdown. Ultimately gets called back for holding, but then Kansas city's get staying aggressive. They've got, 40 ish seconds, something like that. I don't know. And they're trying to move the ball down the field and get into field goal range. And Patrick Mahomes escapes pressure, moves to his right and just heaves a hail Mary type ball. And Tyree Hill does have the ball in his hands for a moment for a probably 60 yard completion or so Von Bell knocks it away into the first half. There saves us three points. Like they easily would have been in field goal range. They could have potentially scored a touchdown there after there was some time left. Saved us three points by knocking that ball away. I thought Lou and Arumo dialing up the blitz from Jesse Bates on third down from the 16-yard line forced Kansas City into a field goal, tied at 31-31. Mahomes was driving down the field. Again, really hadn't been under much pressure, and dialing it up at that point worked pretty well. (laughs) Obviously, the results were there, but I thought Lou did a good job making some adjustments, and kudos to him because... I honestly was extremely skeptical that we would see much difference from the defense second half to first half. And they they focused on limiting those playmakers, limiting Tyreek Hill, limiting Travis Kelsey. They combined for 65 receiving yards in the game total. That's it. These are guys that if they both went over 100, you're not shocked. For those that don't, don't watch other teams very much like that, that's the equivalent of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins totaling 65 yards in a game like it's just kind of unheard of that's it we we don't love seeing daryl williams and blake bell get huge chunks of yards because we're like who are these guys and why are they beating us but i don't think that's what kansas city wanted they were taking some of that but i don't think that's how they want to move the ball down the field like they want tyree kill and travis kelsey to make those big splash plays get huge yards after catch etc and it just wasn't happening we limited them the defense held the Chiefs to seven first downs in the second half, 50 yards passing. I thought the tackling, it was hit or miss in some spots, especially in run defense. But when you think about their playmakers, Kelsey and Tyreek, when they got the ball in space, we made the tackles. And it going back to that Chargers-Chiefs game, if you watched it, there was a play that Travis Kelsey makes late in that game where he catches the ball at the 30-yard line. I believe there are three Chargers within, like, five yards of him, maybe three yards of him. And he somehow navigates around all three of them and runs it in for the touchdown. So we know what he's capable of. You know what Tyreek Kill's capable of. And overall, this defense did a good job tackling those guys. They play, and I've mentioned before, kind of lacking a superstar. Yes, Trey Hendrickson is getting some more notoriety and like rightfully so with his sack streak and whatnot. And Even Awuja, I don't think, is getting any sort of national notoriety. Opposing teams don't know who he is. Their fans don't know who that is. They probably don't even know who Trey Hendrickson is, to be completely honest. This team doesn't have the big personality superstar on defense, but they play extremely well as a unit at times. And they did that. They've done it much of this year, and they did it in the second half of this game. And honestly, what helps the defense that's struggling a little bit is an offense that can keep the other team's offense off the field. Zach Taylor talked about that a little bit when asked about the the second half defense.
1: It's kind of our message at halftime is, is they've made some great plays. We've been in pretty good position. They've made some outstanding plays. Um, so our time's going to come. We just got to calm down, keep putting the pressure on them on offense and scoring points and let our defense kind of get settled down a little bit. And that's what they did. And, and ultimately that's how we won the game.
0: Now I thought it would be Joe Mixon running the ball and controlling the clock and, That definitely was not the case in the first half. So I was a little bit off on on that key to the game, I guess. But the Bengals did dominate second halftime of possession, 18 minutes to 12 minutes, like 12 minutes is all Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs had the ball in their hands to do anything with it. Three drives is all they got. Punt, punt, field goal. Three points in the second half is all they got. I think Zach Taylor thinking like that, thinking let's use our offense to help our defense. That's the type of stuff I love to hear. It's not the cliche uh, old school thinking, like like ground and pound. Whenever I hear that, it always makes me think of old school or like you win by playing good defense and running the ball. It just feels old school. Like the the thinking here that your offense is more than just scoring points. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal. But even when they're not scoring points, part of the offense success can be keeping the other team off the field and keep them from scoring. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. And I think truly I could talk for hours about the the offense. I could do a a two-hour podcast about this win overall. I won't, I don't think, but I could. And with the offense, I think... Bengals fans need to applaud and appreciate Zach Taylor. He's been criticized by myself and by many others. And I think rightfully so at times, I think he's probably also taken some of the blame that wasn't always his fault. When you think about some of the talent he had the last couple of years, when you think about uh, some of the mistakes Joe Burrow was making earlier in the year that he's not making now, the way our offensive line has struggled throughout the year. Like he's taking some of the blame for things that aren't necessarily his fault. It's execution issues. And most coaches are going to be the scapegoat. But the culture that this team has that he's instilled where the Bengals believe in him, the Bengals believe in themselves. They believe that they can and will win games. And Burrow talked about it a little bit uh, in his post game presser about Back in OTAs, he was talking about winning an AFC North title and getting to the playoffs. Like, this is something, yes, we expect players are always going to say that. They're not going to say, like, my goal for this year is just to have fun. No, they're always going to say their goal is to win games, and we expect them to say that. But I think this team truly believed it from the start. And, and a lot of that goes back to Zach Taylor's leadership. I think the resiliency we see from this bunch is due in large part to Zach Taylor. The many times that they've gotten down by large deficits and clawed back. Not always won the game, but they've clawed back. And in this game against Kansas City, some of those other games you can say, like, you know, we, we got down, I think, 14-0 to Jacksonville, but it's like, eh, it's the Jaguars. Like, of course you're going to come back because it was fool's gold for them. But this was, again, one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best teams in the AFC, and you were down 14 to nothing. You were down 21 to seven. You were down 28 to 14. You had three different 14 point deficits. And yet this team kept clawing and kept coming back and eventually took the lead and obviously won the game. I don't know if I'm just extra sentimental today because we won the game and it was oddly a exhausting, draining game as a fan, even just watching from home because of how invested I was in every single play. I don't know. Maybe I'm tired, and that's why I'm very sentimental. But listening to Zach Taylor, listening to the emotion in his press, uh, post-game press conference about how proud he is of his guys, obviously winning games helps as well. But that is what, to me, you look at that and you listen to what he's saying, and you say, we have the right guy here in Cincinnati in Zach Taylor. At some point, we've got to stop holding the first two years against him. Six wins in two years is pretty bad. but again, there was there was talent issues. there was apparently culture issues like we didn't have Joe Burrow for one and a half of those two seasons. so let's let's give Zach Taylor some credit for this season. Let's give him props for the offensive game he's called now. 2 weeks in a row. He's done it at other points in the season as well. It's not just the last 2 weeks, but he's really saved his best for late in the season here. The aggressiveness to go for the touchdown late. Those are all things I love to see from Zach Taylor. And he talked about that aggressiveness in his post-game presser as well.
1: You got to go take this division, you know. It's not just kick the field goal and then let Patrick Mahomes you do something. I got a ton of faith in our defense to come up there, but um you know the 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 thing's worth having. you got to go get them
0: well said, Zach. You take the division because no one's handing us anything. You take it. You take what's yours. You don't wait for somebody to gift you wins. You don't back into an AFC North title. You take it. And I like that mentality. It wasn't well, if we again, he's not going to say this, but it doesn't even seem like they had the mentality and and it was evident in the way they played today that. Well, as long as we're competitive, if we lose this game, we still have next week. It was, we have a chance today to seize an opportunity. How many years ago, how many years ago was that the uh, Marvin Lewis saying? I think that was like a few years ago. Seize the day. Maybe that wasn't Marvin Lewis. I don't know. Seize the day was a thing. But anyways, we have this opportunity. Let's seize it. And I think we've seen a new dogness in Zach Taylor lately. The way last week against Baltimore. He continued to to keep his foot on the pedal for the entire game. I called Joe Burrow a dog last episode, but or a couple episodes ago, but it's like Zach Taylor, I think he's turned into a dog himself. Which I didn't necessarily get that vibe from him and a lot of his stuff in his first couple seasons, but I think the dude is is getting some of the swagger that Joe Burrow has. Speaking of Joe Burrow, he's going to help you look good as a coach when he executes like he has of late. Since the bye week, if you want to go back however many weeks, seven games, that is now 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's protecting the ball. Five and two records since the bye for this team. We're now 10 and six in his second season. Coming off reconstruction, knee reconstruction. And to me, it wasn't a contest before this week. Now it, to me, shouldn't even be close. Joe Burrow is your comeback player of the year. I think Dak Prescott is his only real competition and it's not just, I had a, a Cowboys fan in my mentions on Twitter, when I talked about him being the comeback player over Bur- uh, over Dak, you know, Oh, this seems like this is really important to you guys. You know, we've got bigger plans than just winning comeback player, but yeah, this is really important to you guys. And it's not, I, I mean, it is, it, it is important. It's not because that's the only thing we want to achieve, but again, that would just be one more uh, accolator or, applause that we could give joe burrow for what he has done in just his second season he had his knee rebuilt like not a little incision a little nip tuck here and there a a literal restructure of his knee because of the damage that was done in there and all he's done is come out and set records the next season look back earlier in the year and the way things were going he seemed timid he seemed uncertain all the way back to the the training camp, Um, headlines of him looking, uh, I don't know the exact words that were used but basically scared in the pocket. That seems like forever ago. And all he's done is now set records. And he's got the confidence just oozing out. Lindsay Patterson mentioned on the pod a month or so ago when she was on that LSU Joe is what we were waiting for. Like, when's LSU Joe gonna be here? And I think he's here. He's fully here now. He's been here for a couple weeks, but it's on display, he's got the swagger, his cojones, let's appreciate him as much as Coach Taylor does.
1: We had great expectations for him and so far i say he's exceeded the expectations. And of, and of course, he's got championships on his brain. He's not about winning big regular season games. You know, I know that that's, that's why he's here. He's he's a He was always playing for championships in high school, winning championships in college. And his expect- expectation has always been to elevate this franchise to be able to compete for championships here.
0: Just listen to some of those words that Zach Taylor used to describe his quarterback, talking about exceeding expectations, championships on his mind, elevating a franchise. I think with previous regimes, it got to a point, and it's probably a little bit because we were so used to losing that winning nine to 10 games felt com- like perfectly acceptable. Getting to the playoffs was good enough. And it sort of, we felt like, After a couple of years, it's inevitable we're going to lose in the playoffs, but we did get to the playoffs. And there was a streak for some amount of time that we were one of, I don't know, like two teams that had made the playoffs X amount of years during the span. It was like us and the Patriots. And it was like, that's cool. But we knew we weren't winning anything in the playoffs. But it still was like, that's good enough. Not with this group. They want more. They want AFC North titles. They want playoff wins. They want Super Bowls. And when you're led by a quarterback, Like Joe Burrow, Super Bowls are possible, which it feels wild to say. Super Bowls in Cincinnati, those two words typically, you know, aren't going together necessarily, at least not as of late. And yet it's possible. A franchise record now in passing yards for a season, touchdowns in a season, most 300 yard passing games in a season in franchise history. He's just eight completions away from the most completions in a season in franchise history. Setting records. And if you look at the last few Super Bowls, think about the teams that are in there. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady again. Tom Brady. (laughs) There's a lot of Tom Brady's, but there have been some elite quarterback play in the Super Bowl. That's typically how teams are getting there. Russell Wilson, Peyton Manning's like Eli Manning's, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger in his prime. That's just going back 10-ish years and looking at the Super Bowl teams. You almost have to have an elite quarterback unless you have some other elite trait of your team, maybe an elite defense or something. But for the most part, you need to have a quarterback that is transcendent. And we have that. And the fact that he is exceeding expectations is wild to me because think about when Joe was drafted – the excitement we felt in the city. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I think maybe expectations were altered a little bit as his rookie season played out. We saw how bad the offensive line was. There was there was issues there. Maybe they were altered a bit to say, okay, maybe he's not going to throw 40 touchdowns as a rookie. But he still was really darn good. And it, I felt like exceeded expectations before the injury. Then after the injury, I, I at least personally feel like expectations changed a little bit after that. Not for his entire career. I still expected him to take us to playoffs and a Super Bowl eventually. But for year 2, his first year returning from that, he's exceeding the loftiest of expectations. Like had he never gotten injured, had he had an elite offensive line, he's exceeding those expectations. And instead, he's getting sacked the most in the league and he's still doing what he's doing. He's he's ice cold. He's clutch, he has it, as Stephen A. Smith would say. He's a bad man. And he's our quarterback. Now, the season's not over. Some would say it's just beginning. We have playoff games to win. We have Super Bowls to win. And it all starts now, all thanks to the Bengals clinching a playoff berth in Week 17, 34-31 to 31 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't forget, guys and gals. Let all of your friends know. Hootie!